2020 will be a year that will be remembered for the ways in which our university, our students, the nation, communities, and the world have been impacted. We must look at 2020 as a year in which we contributed to the betterment of our world and of our society. From UW Tacoma, this is Pod Defiance. Welcome to Pod Defiance, where we don't lecture, but we do educate. I'm Eric Wilson-Edge. Today on the pod, 2020 The Course. The University of Washington turned 2020 into a class involving all three campuses, including UW-Tacoma. The course provided faculty and students a chance to discuss and contextualize in real time what turned out to be a truly historic year. In this episode, we'll talk about the course and its impact with the UW-Tacoma Associate Vice Chancellor for Student Success, Dr. Bonnie Becker, current UW-Tacoma student, Caitlin Ward, as well as UW-Tacoma Assistant Professor, Dr. Sharon Lang. Dr. Bonnie Becker, thank you for joining us today on Pod Defiance. Thank you for asking me. So I wanted to have you on the show to talk about uh, 2020, and specifically 2020, the course, which is um, something that is what it sounds like uh, leaders from all three UW campuses came up with this idea of putting this very strange year into context as a class that would be available for students. Um, so yeah, I want to talk to you, to you about that. So let's start with sort of a basic question. Uh, what is the 2020 of the course? And can I wonder if you could talk about some of the goals of the course? Sure. So I believe the original idea came from Dr. Ed Taylor, who works in the provost's office at UW-Seattle. Um, he is kind of the, the head of undergraduate affairs across, across the campuses. And um, he had this idea of creating a learning experience where we could talk about and, and experience 2020 almost in real time together. Um, and they thought it was important for this to be a tri-campus experience. Um, to our knowledge, we don't know of another course that has been taught in this way. Um, it's a two-credit class. It's a credit non-credit, which is UW speak for a pass-fail class, um, which having two credit classes is actually a really important thing on our campus. To be full-time, you need to take 12 credits and five credits is the normal, um, is the sort of typical average class size. So a lot of students are looking for a two credit class. Um, so the, the goals were to explore 2020 from a few different perspectives with a focus on um, certainly the pandemic and certainly the sort of racial and social justice reckoning that we have experienced this year but also the election, the economy, um, looking at things like, um, you know, bots and trolls on Twitter. Everything was very timely, but also sort of timeless in that it brought together faculty from across all three campuses. We had two representatives from UW-Tacoma, Dr. Sharon Lang and Dr. Carolyn West, and um, have an opportunity to reflect together um, in a four credit online option. Um, and yeah, just to have, to have this chance to bring the incredible minds <laughs> from across campuses um, who do research on various aspects of 2020. Um, in our section at Tacoma, so uh, in order to be able to offer the class, we needed to have um, a class, an existing class to sort of put it under. And that, that existing class was an IAS seminar, which was a two credit class. And the 2020, the course main section was one credit. So there were a number of different versions of the class taught across the three campuses um, that were either one or two credits. So there were some in-person sections 
in Seattle that were mostly um, international students who needed some in-person component of their class schedule. So there were some in-person sections. In Bothell, they had some sections that were meant especially for first-year students that included some like intro to college basic skills kind of stuff. At Tacoma, we went with the IAS seminar and ours was two credit. And so we decided to collaborate with the UW Tacoma Library um, who brought an element of information literacy to our sections. Um, the local version had um, this information literacy component to it. So there were some learning objectives around how to um, assess, critically assess information sources, which also seemed incredibly timely to 2020. So Marissa Petrich and Erica Bailey helped develop some material from the UW Tacoma Library. Um, so, you know, it was the, there was a team <laughs> of people um, putting this together. And um, I actually really liked these different versions on different campuses because they, they sort of all had their own flavor to the material. Um, so you were the co-instructor for this course. Um, so what sorts of things were you responsible for in terms of uh, maybe putting it together or getting it online, that sort of thing? Sure. So one real luxury of this is that there was a team of teaching assistants and graders. Um, and Ed Taylor did all of the interviews and arranged all of that material. Um, but on Bothell's campus and on Tacoma's campus, we had myself and then Cinnamon Hilliard, who has the exact same title as me, but at UW Bothell. So she's the Associate Vice Chancellor for Student Success. We were like the point people for our campuses. We helped to um, administer the courses, but also contextualize them a little bit on our campuses. And then um, the whole instructional team met weekly. And um, we had a lot of opportunity to contribute some just-in-time adjustments, as you can imagine, because the whole class was supposed to be so timely. So, I mean, for example, there was a, um, a recording done the day before the election and another recording done the day after the election with an intention of sort of bookmarking the election once we knew the outcome. But as we all know, we did not know the outcome the day after the election. And so... Um, there was a lot of just-in-time happening <laughs> in this class. And so being part of this instructional team, um, it was just a really neat opportunity to collaborate in a tri-campus setting um, for us to get to know each other. It was it ended up being a very... Um, it was just a, a lovely group of people to get to know. We got to know each other in more personal ways and um, to help to help bring the voice of Tacoma students into the room to say, well, you know, for our students, this might look a little different. Or, I, you know, for another example, on Veterans Day, we had a special um, Veterans Day session and making sure that we were providing resources for folks for follow-up, um, making sure that those resources were true to the Tacoma campus. Um, when we did the land acknowledgement. So, so there was a session on um, sort of tribal sovereignty and the land acknowledgement was the Seattle land acknowledgement and making sure that the Tacoma land acknowledgement was added to that as well. So mm -hmm. making it true to it, you know, there was this vision that the course would be a tri-campus experience. Um, Cinnamon and I were there to make sure that that was a genuinely tri-campus experience that um, that we were included in ways that we could see ourselves in. It strikes me as um, kind of fascinating to be doing this course kind of as it's happening. So yeah. do you know why, what the, the thinking was to do that? Because, you know, I could see folks just deciding, you know, we'll talk about this here once it's over. <laughs> but to do it in real time, um, I could see there being some real benefits to that. And also seeing it being, you know, kind of hard in some ways, because there definitely been some challenging uh, times this year, especially recently. So, yeah, I wonder if you know, know a little bit about why the decision was made to do it sort of in real time. I think that was part of the appeal of it was to, to have the material 
to have an opportunity for all of us to process what was happening as it was happening. Um, it's not a simply academic endeavor, right? It's not just a scholarly endeavor to sort of reflect back. It's a reflecting forward that um, we don't get to do very often. You know, it's, it's unusual for us to be able to have meaningful conversations about what is happening in the moment. Um, so I think that was part of what made it so special. I imagine there will be future courses <laughs> about at least aspects of what happened this year that are more retrospective. But having an opportunity to do it in the moment was was kind of part of the was part of the the appeal of the whole thing. So let's let's talk about the time capsule, which was an element of the course. Um, talk about that project and whether or not you put anything in the time capsule. Sure, absolutely. So the idea behind the time capsule is to um, to have each student and all of the participants put an item. But, you know, when I was a kid, you would like literally put an item in like a army box and then you'd bury it and then you'd come back and unbury it. Like we did that at summer camp. Um, we did this in a more sort of 2020 style where it was virtual. So you would have an item, but you submitted a picture of that item, but it is all being printed out. And so there is a, going to be a paper version <laughs> of, of this time capsule. And our hope, I don't think the, the folks organizing this have quite figured out how yet, but the hope is in 2040, we would all get together and open the time capsule and see what we had to say about 2020. Um, God willing, I should still be a UW Tacoma faculty member then. Um, I might be on the uh, closer to retirement, but not quite retired yet. Um, so I'm really hopeful that I will somehow be able to come back for the opening of the time capsule. Um, so I submitted, um, so I don't know about regular listeners of the podcast, but you and I spoke earlier during the pandemic about mask making and it's something that um, was very important to me. Um, I submitted the first mask I made, um, which was made out of an old pillowcase and some string that I had laying around the house. Um, and I explained then that um, I didn't actually know how to sew. Um, my daughter, who is now 10, but when she was eight, her 4-H group, she did a, a sewing project and she sewed this gorgeous sparkly ball gown that um, actually won some awards at the state fair. And I took her to all of her lessons. I looked over her shoulder and I kind of learned how to sew. Um, I learned well enough how to sew to sew a mask. And so um, with that humble original mask, and it was such an unusual time in March, right? Like the stores were empty. Um, you know, elastic was sold out. Fabric was sold out. You couldn't get like really basic things. And so friends on Facebook, family members from across the country, you know, supplies just started rolling in. They said, if you're going to make masks, here's, here's some stuff. Um, and so I started a little bit of like a factory um, on my kit, on my dining room table, making masks. I ended up making about 475 of them. I distributed them to a range of different community groups. Um, some really fun ones. So the Tacoma Farmer's Market um, got a shipment of my masks. The Point of Vines Zoo. So the zookeepers had a bunch of my masks. Some UW Tacoma staff. Um, I sent some to the St. Leo's Food Bank, some to um, a women's shelter. Um, so it was, a, it was a really meaningful thing to me. And that original mask that is like this snapshot of this moment in time where like digging around the house for an old pillowcase um, just made sense to me then in a way. Um, I feel like the pandemic has evolved over time. Like in those beginning times, everybody was really trying to um, band together. There was a lot of sort of community feeling to this. Um, lots of Zoom happy hours and there was um, there was that TV show, that YouTube series, Some Good News. 
um, from the guy from the office was putting that together. And so like everybody was trying to lift each other's spirits and there was this real spirit of community about it. I feel like as it's dragged on, um, we've kind of snapped back into some of our older habits are more sort of individualistic habits. Um, I think it's a good thing that you can now just go to the supermarket and pick up a mask without it being a big deal. Like I didn't think it was good that a marine biologist with no sewing experience <laughs> was making the masks that were helping protect people's health. Like, I, you know, it was, it was a moment of, of desperation a little bit, but, um, but on the other hand, that spirit of like, we're in this together. Um, times are hard, but we're going to get through this. Um, you don't hear a lot of that language anymore or that feeling anymore. Um, the Some Good News show got sold to one of the networks. It just like that whole earthy, we're in this together feeling kind of fell apart a little. Um, and so I didn't want to put a mask in. So many people put in masks. I wanted to be a little bit original, but I just had to. <laughs> it was just so obvious. Um, my runner up, which I didn't put in, um, I actually wore through a pair of uh, slippers because I wore my slippers every day. We're now going <laughs> on 10 months. And I actually wore a hole through my slippers. Um, and for my birthday, I bought myself a new pair of slippers. So I almost put my gross slippers in there, but 2040 Bonnie would probably not be super excited that that is <laughs> that's the thing I decided uh -huh. to put in. <laughs> that's great. So I thought I owed something better to her. <laughs> Those are great stories. And I can't believe that you were really just... Because, you know, you and I had talked quite a bit early on. You were making a lot of masks and really oh. nice masks. And it's, I guess I didn't realize that you were only then figuring out how to do all of that. Um, it seems like you figured it out pretty quickly because you made a ton of them. Yeah, it was. I think the kind of work that we do as professors, especially when we're working from home, is we're on a screen all day. Um, I feel like what I contribute is often very abstract <laughs> and that's not fair and I think I contribute a lot that is, is more tangible than that but I'm on a computer like I'm I'm typing and I'm doing spreadsheets and emails and to be able to like close my computer and go do something physical and tangible um honestly really helped me with my own mental health and my own anxiety around what was happening in the world it made me feel like I, I was doing something to help, but I also was um, exercising my mind in a different way that allowed, that allowed me to get through that era. Um, and if I'm, if I'm totally honest, you know, I stopped over the summer because um, for a variety of reasons, partially because masks were more available, but also some stuff going on in the family. And I actually, you know, I went through a little bit of a low point when, when I stopped, um, I didn't realize how much that process was actually helping my own health and not having that, you know, and being on the computer all day and then being on the computer all night, um, really was killing me. It, it, and it didn't hit me until later. Um, so I know it's kind of corny, but it's like, I got as much from making those masks as I think other people got from receiving them. So in terms of the course, um, yes. so, you know, helping put it together uh, and making it happen and then, you know, being a part of it, has that changed uh, how you view this year or what's been happening? Um, given you an in new insights or ways of thinking about it? I think so. Um, I think the material has been really interesting. And I don't know, true to style, it's often not the not the straight content that that moves me. It's often, you know, the environment and the context. So first of all, in my administrative capacity, I haven't been teaching as much as I used to. And so I have not been teaching during the pandemic. And so having an opportunity to teach is really helpful in my work around student success, having some firsthand experience with like 
the the really broad range of different reactions of students to this kind of learning environment. Um, I also really got a lot out of, so when you would ask about goals of the course, one thing that kind of came out throughout the course is Dr. Taylor in every interview asked each of these professors how they got to where they are. Um, I found that really interesting. I and mean, I think a lot of us during the pandemic are really doing a lot of self-exploration sort of, I hear a lot of people saying this on Facebook or Twitter or just face-to-face, -face, like, how do I contribute? What is, what is what I do professionally make a difference? Because there are definitely people who are, you know, epidemiologists, right? And how they contribute is really clear. And I think for a lot of the rest of us, asking ourselves, what is my purpose? Um, I said, I made an illusion before about 20 years from now, you know, I might be close to retirement. Like, where do I want to be in those 20 years? And so having an opportunity, even though I, you know, I'm a tenured professor, I'm pretty far along now. <laughs> I think there's this myth that's like, what do I want to be when I grow up? And then you just sort of figure that out. And then you're that for the rest of your life. But for even just for me personally, learning about the path of these various colleagues, um, that was also really, really interesting to me. Um, I think in terms of the content itself, there was some really um, interesting explorations, especially among scholars of racial justice, um, people who have been working on, when we talk about sort of this reckoning this summer, I, you know, sometimes it, it seems on the news they're talking about like a lot of this is new <laughs> and, and it isn't, right? Um, and so hearing from folks who have been studying and who have been activists themselves um, reflect on their impressions of 2020 was really helpful and meaningful to me to um, put things in context um, and to remember that, that it's a marathon and not a, not a sprint, right? Um, we had one lecture um, about misinformation and disinformation that I think did in the moment really challenge me and how I look at where my sources of information are coming from. Um, that was very, also very timely. Um, she had actually been working on, you know, Russian, Russian disinformation campaigns and was on the radar of some of those Russian disinformation units knew of her and like had interacted with them. I mean, it was, it was, it was a really fascinating look into a world that, you know, you hear about on the news, but you don't often get to hear someone who has firsthand experience. Um, that one, that one really stuck with me as well. So they were all a little different. Um, but it was, it was helpful. Like I was saying, you know, the beginning of the pandemic was this, we're all in it together phase. And then there was this like, forget that, like everyone for themselves phase. You know? <laughs> um, and so having this opportunity in the, in the fall to be a little bit more collective about it and to talk about this in a more cooperative way, I think was also really helpful. That was Dr. Bonnie Becker. Up next, UW Tacoma accounting major, Caitlin Ward. So I wanted to have you on today to talk about uh, 2020, the course which uh, UW up in Seattle offered uh, and all three campuses participated and you took this course. So I'm wondering why you decided to, to take this class. Great question, Eric. So when I saw the email about the uh, campus community invite, I felt inspired right off the gate. I would have the opportunity to hear from scholars about how 2020 has impacted the community and their research and their lives. And that came more apparent when Dean Taylor introduced the course, talking about how the course was inspired based on the pandemic and the recession and then the uh, Black Lives Matter protests. So... In taking the course, um, and it's over now, from my understanding, uh, has it changed 
you're thinking about this year? Um, and if so, what way? Oh, absolutely. Throughout the early part of this class or the seminar, we learned about how to dissect misinformation and disinformation during crisis events, how to engage in online information more responsibly. And then, you know, how uh, there's a lack of the legal education in our society currently. We learned about the uh, climate change and the impacts of COVID on climate change. And then a few different scholars shared their research on the impacts of the pandemic and uh, racial inequities. So of all the, the, the speakers you heard from and, and lessons presented, is there one that sticks out in your mind? Off the top of my head now, I'd say uh, Professor Wong, who early in his college career wanted to be an Asian American writer, but that just wasn't available to him uh, while he was in college. But, you know, due to that lack of knowledge in the field during his time, Professor Wong had to learn about the topic himself, which really caused me to stop and evaluate if I saw any gaps in the knowledge I've acquired this year, or, you know, if, if anyone has while trying to like research their, their field or their passion. There is a uh, time capsule um, that folks could put something into. I was wondering, did you put anything in the time capsule? Yeah. Yeah. So I put a COVID test doctor's note in the time capsule. It was around that time that my daughter developed a cough and because of her age group, she was mandated by the state of Washington if she had one symptom to acquire a test. So we, we both went in and got tested and thankfully didn't have COVID, <laughs> but it, resonated fear and lack of preparation on my part being stuck at home for five days six days waiting for those test results i can empathize with you our our child care provider about a little over a month ago early november uh she was diagnosed with covid and so we had to that was definitely we went we had all getting get tested it was like a stressful worrisome 48 hours and everyone turned out not to have COVID, but it was, well, it was very intense. And, you know, as a parent, it, you, you have to do, you have to sort of remain, make that, make it seem like everything is okay. While at least for me in my mind, I was like, what if it's not okay? You know, this is terrible. <laughs> it could be the worst thing ever just and being, but also, you know, not wanting to freak our kids out. I know. I know. I'd, I'm sure I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> so for your Time capsule, was it? Was there a, did you know right away, oh, I'm going to do this test in, or was it like, a, oh, I want to put one of these like three or four things could go in here. And then did you have to sort of figure out why you would want to put one in or the other? It was really a neat process. So we, we had the opportunity to meet across campuses over Zoom and share our thoughts and ideas. And there was a lot of discussion around people submitting like the voters pamphlet because of the uh, election during the time. And then I just kept staring down at, at this doctor's note saying, oh, well, you know, if there was, if, if I want to remember anything, which, you know, of course, you know, who wants to remember 2020? But <laughs> when I look back at it, I can be like, oh, I, I was part of, I was part of society. I got tested. Let's talk a little bit about your 2020. Um, you know, how, how's it going? You know, what are some of the challenges you faced? Um, you know, and how have events, you know, you know, we, it was an interesting year. We had a pandemic, we had uh, an election, we had a protest, social justice protest, you know, a lot was going on. So, you know, walk me through what this, these, how these events impacted your life. Oh, Great question. Well, if I could describe 2020 in one word, it would be challenging. I went from being a part-time employee and a full-time single mom and student to being a 24-7 stay-at-home mom, preschool teacher and student. And then the agonizing worry of the state of our country during the election and how long that took that really just described 2020 in a nutshell. 
with the, the length of time and the uh, nail biting events that occurred, it, it was worse than a, a Seahawks game. <laughs> so you are, it sounds like you're a single mom. You know, you're now, a, you're a student as well as a teacher um, finishing up college. So how have you managed to, to do it? How you managed to keep it together these last you know, 10 or so months? I have my good days and my bad days. I, I think everyone can relate to that. I, I look for the little joys in each day, like teaching my daughter addition since she's learned her numbers. And, uh, you know, as, as employee and a student, I don't really get to experience that much while she's in daycare pre-COVID. <laughs> so it's, it's been rewarding to see her success and mine. I mean, as a student, working remote you run into so many various hurdles about okay i have a question where can i turn to who can i turn to but i see my success in in test scores or being able to answer questions over synchronous class time or you know trying my best while my daughter's napping to to take advantage of those online zoom office hours <laughs> So just a little joys. You might remember UW Tacoma assistant professor, Dr. Sharon Lang from earlier episodes with University of Washington associate professor, Dr. Wendy Barrington. The pair discussed the social determinants of health and how that impacts marginalized communities. Many of the topics Dr. Lang discussed previously found their way into the lecture she gave for 2020, the course. So I want to start by talking about your involvement with the course specifically. Um, I know it was broken down into um, like different talks or lectures that um, faculty gave. And I was wondering if you could talk about what, what you gave your talk about. Yeah, there were several themes um, for this course and it covered a range of topics. And these are topics that um, are relevant to what transpired in 2020. Um, my topic was to address the issue of race and racism and perhaps thinking about how that helped expose the ravages of the COVID-19 virus. So I, I, you know, first spoke about the structural and systemic racism that does exist um, in the U.S., and um, thinking about what are the biological and social implications of racism. So for the social implications, um, I try to um, really speak about how the virus exposed the uneven racial consequences that led to the uh, disproportionate uh, death rates among people of color, particularly from um, the COVID-19. And these uneven racial consequences include um, who do not have the safest jobs um, or paid sick days or who live in crowded homes or who lack private transportation, um, who lack healthcare access, and also who reside in neighborhoods that promote health. Now, all of these factors that I discussed really predicted who died from the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, so far, Blacks and Indigenous Americans have suffered the greatest losses during the COVID-19 crisis. Now, imagine these data. In 17 states in the United States, more than one in 1,000 Black residents have died. Now, Blacks represent 12.4% of the population, yet up to 20% of deaths. In 13 states, more than one in 1,000 Indigenous residents have died. Indigenous Americans represent about 0.8% of the population, yet 1.4% of death. Now, these are very, very stark numbers that we really all have to reckon with um, and come to terms with. But these are some of the, 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 the data that really had me ruminating about what might be our role, certainly in higher education, but certainly in our communities as well, to address these social and economic inequities that exist, that these inequities are putting many people um, of color at risk, and we must stop it at some point. We must stop it right now. So when it's um, two questions, so why did you decide to participate in this course? And then 
Um, what guided your thinking once you've decided to do that in terms of what topic you were going to cover? Well, in terms of um, why did I participate um, in the course, Dr. Taylor um, sent out this um, email to us to ask us to um, participate. And this is a question that was posed to me during the panel presentation last night. I remember this very clearly. Um, one sentence in that email invitation um, really um, stuck with me. He said, 2020 will be a year that will be remembered for the ways in which our university, our students, the nation, communities, and the world have been impacted. We must look at 2020 as a year in which we contributed to the betterment of our world and of our society. Again, think about the last line there. 2020 as a year in which we contributed to the betterment of our world and our society. Now, what an impactful statement that was made, right? What an opportunity for me as a teacher and a researcher, really to help our future generation of students put this year into context. What an opportunity really to help them visualize the forces that we're operating this year. And what an opportunity to help them contextualize really how our society can and did move forward from a very, very catastrophic time in our history. Going back to the statistics that I presented to you um, regarding um, BIPOC groups um, and the impact of the COVID-19 on this group, there was absolutely no way I could not have spoken about the factors that contributed to this devastation in this community, in these communities. And so it, it just was a very natural um, uh, movement on my part to speak about the implications of race and racism on health outcome among BIPOC communities. So through your work with this course, um, uh, whether that's putting together um, your talk or talking with other uh, faculty in this course or students in this course, has that process um, informed or changed your thinking about um, 2020? Um, I, you know, uh, I don't, it, it didn't in, in, in change my thinking. It certainly um, helped me um, focus more on um, what I need to address as a researcher um, and certainly as a public servant um, to educate our community about issues that have that are long-standing in our community and so it really perhaps um, um, instituted a, a sense of urgency on my part um, to um, do more in my work in, in what I say and how I say it um, to enlighten and hopefully um, encourage others in, in my profession to do to continue to do this research to support communities who are um, disadvantaged from my understanding of putting a course together, you know, faculty spend a lot of time prepping to get this, to get something, you know, say, if you're going to teach it in the fall, you're spending a lot of time before then getting it together. You know, this is a course you sort of, it sounds like you were putting it together while you were learning how to fly it. Uh, <laughs> so I wonder what the, like, what, what that was like for you, um, you know, as a, a faculty member to be having that, have that experience. Yeah, it was really quite interesting because I remember when I was putting the course together, I was also trying to prep for my fall courses and um, in the School of Nursing and Healthcare Leadership and two courses, um, pretty heavy, weighty courses that I was prepping for. It, it, it um, <clears throat> I think what made it um, much easier for me as a faculty is that I chose the topic and the topic is something that is passionate for me. I have the data already. And so it's one thing to put together a lecture um, based on someone else's outline of what the course should be and what the content should be. But it's another thing to put together a lecture based on um, what you are passionate about and also um, is about the work that you are currently doing. And so in that respect, it was not a very challenging um, um, endeavor for me. Um, 
I I I I guess the piece that if, if it was cha- if there was any um, challenge for me, perhaps it was the the way that I'm delivering this information on Zoom. Um, this information I had not previously delivered in this mode using this 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 mode of delivery, and so I wanted to to make sure that I had very impactful information that the way I spoke about the information um, resonated. And, and because again, you don't have the feedback from the students to see, you know, to change course or correct course or um, make adjustments according to what you're speaking about at the moment. It's pretty static, right? Um, and even it, even during our current Zoom um, classes right now, um, you know, as you're delivering your talk, you may be able to, um, you know, um, Students may be able to engage somehow. They may talk or, or ask a question or stop you. Um, so you do have that feedback. So this was more of a static way to deliver a talk on a topic that I had a great deal of passion about. Um, so, yes, that may have been the challenge. But pulling everything together um, and pulling the content together was not challenging at all. So let's talk about the time capsule. Um, did you add anything to it? I did. I did. I, I, it was interesting. What I chose to add to this time capsule was the syllabus of the first course that I was asked to convert to an online class once the, um, <clears throat> the state shut down and we knew we were going to be online. And what was ironic about it was that the class that I converted, um, the class that I had to teach, is the final class that our healthcare leadership students are required to take before they actually walk and go out to become healthcare leaders. Now, this final class, (laughs) um, interestingly enough, is a fieldwork class. It's a class where they're actually out in the community (laughs) doing work for the community addressing health and wellness. Imagine that. And here now, I had to figure out how am I going to simulate in-person activity in the community um, because they can't do that. Um, So I chose to to put that like that, that um, the syllabus for that class out there because I thought how ironic it was that I'm trying to help our healthcare leadership students understand what it's going to be like going out in the community when we are witnessing this pandemic when uh, with other healthcare professionals out there battling for their lives while they're trying to save other people's lives. It was quite an interesting um an interesting time for me as an educator in trying to pre- prepare our students for their role as healthcare leaders going out. So I wonder how did you, um, cause I don't know if they could do field work. I, I don't. So did they do field work? And if not, did, so you said you had to simulate it. Yeah. I'm so curious how you did that. <laughs> yes. A, a lot of thought and, and, um, trial and error, hit and miss. Well, we had a couple of students who were able to go on site, but again, a lot of the work that they did, that work was virtual. For the students who could not go on sites, because a lot of sites did shut down, what I did do was um, um, think about um, what is an emergency response plan that we could put in place to address some of the challenges that we're seeing right now, and, and, and what would you do as healthcare leaders to address? So I asked them to think about certain risk um, risk factors that's going on right now, some particular emergency concerns, and think about a risk uh, response plan. And a couple of things came to mind. They, you know, the, um, one thing that they addressed was what was going on in terms of um, um, healthcare systems and the fact that they weren't able to do elective um, procedures, surgeries, and the fact that there, there were financial disadvantages that were being experienced and how, as a healthcare leader, they might think about um, addressing that concern. Um, a lot of them, of course, um, spoke about telemedicine, which became very um, common during this time and incidentally was my is my research telehealth. And so they talked about how they could um, implement telehealth um, to address um, healthcare needs from a distance while still um, addressing solvency 
for the medical system. Um, they talked about how you address the issue around the homeless and the fact that, you know, in this city we do, and, and certainly in Seattle in particularly, we have a homelessness concern. And during a pandemic, how would you protect one of the most vulnerable communities that is the homeless um, to assure that they are um, receiving the care that they need, that they can socially distance, but how do they, because you have issues of mental health uh, concerns um, and as to explain why they're not um, able to stay within um, certain facilities. So they were really very thoughtful. And so um, though I wasn't able to have them um, really go into the setting. They were really from a distance, really um, interrogating some of the challenges that were occurring in our healthcare system and how would they, and how can they as healthcare leaders address those challenges from a distance? So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, 2020, as we're talking, this is the last 12 hours or so of this year. Um, how's it how's it been for you, both in a professional sense and a, and a personal sense? How are, how are things going? Interesting. Uh, 2020, ironically, has been a very busy year for me um, um, because of my commitment, uh, certainly a commitment that I've made to um, be more thoughtful and intentional in the work that I do to address anti-racism. Um, to address health disparities in both my voice as well as my research. So professionally, I've, I've been quite busy on that. Um, personally, I've spent much more time. I shouldn't say much more time because it almost seems like I never spend time, but I, I, I spent a great deal of time with my children and my spouse. And so I think that if there is any up part, um, any positive um, to this year is that um, family members are forced to be together, whether they want to or not. We're not going about business as usual, right? Running off and doing all these other things because we want to. And so um, this time um, has been really wonderful for me. And I know that it was it's time that I probably would not have had with my children um, and my spouse. And so I'm grateful for that. So personally, that has been a benefit of this year. So, Let's say it's, you know, 10 years from now or however many years from now. Uh, and we're, this is well behind us, hopefully. <laughs> what do you, you know, what, when you look back in that time, what do you, on this time, what do you think you'll remember? And then, you know, all of us, some more than others have had to make changes to our lives. I'm wondering the the things that you've, you've changed to maybe adapt to the times. I wonder what, which of any of those changes you made do you think will stick um, as we move past this? What will I remember about this year? There's so many things to remember, right? Um, certainly, um, this is a year that one must never forget. Um, but I think the one thing that has stood out for me is um, the dedication resilience and motivation of our students. It has been remarkable. Um, I'd like to speak about one particular um, incident in my my class. And this is um, a class that I taught. Um, um, this is the critical analysis, critical writing class. It's a pretty weighty class. And, um, and I had a number of students there, but I remember specifically two students in my class, they, during the course of the quarter, they were diagnosed with the virus, the COVID-19 virus. And, and these are independent students um, within, from separate families. Um, and both students lived in a multi-generational, multi-family household. And so you, for both students, ironically, you had um, uh, um, mothers and grandmothers and cousins and also children. And it turned out for both of these students, all the members of their family um, were diagnosed with the virus as well, believe it or not. Both of these students had young children under the age of um, one years of age that they were still nursing. And I um, and I know this is a fact because they, they showed me the medical report that they had the virus. And one student, I remember, um, 
she contacted me. Um, she wanted, believe it or not, an extension on an assignment because of the fact that her father was in emergency room um, because with the virus and that her mother was also suffering from it. And, you know, I really wanted to tell them, you know, you know, don't keep pushing so hard. You take care of yourself. We'll figure this thing out. But they didn't. They continued coming to class. And I remember one moment watching, I was um, on video and one of them was nursing her little child. And the child had the virus, the mother did as well, and nursing during the lecture. And the mother, while taking care of her child, was trying to attend and she was attending to the lecture very seriously. The child's eye was running, the mother looked very weak, and still she wanted to continue with this class regardless. And what really moved me at the end of the day was that they did persist and they did finish the class. And both those students, one got a B plus in that class, one got an A minus in that class. And it wasn't because it was a giveaway grade. They worked hard. At the end of this class, it was a class where they were required to give a presentation and they knocked it out of the court. They sat, sat up. They were stoic. They were graceful. They were prepared and they delivered a presentation. How can I not work hard when I see this? How can I not push ahead? Right? I mean, this was just a moment of grace for me to see. It was a moment of hope. It was a moment of um, these students, they were my heroes. The level of resilience and determination for their grade, they were going to get through this. And I think the members of their family did okay. No one did, um, um, thank God, knock on wood, pass from this. But this is what moves me as an educator. This is what drives me as an educator. I cannot give my very best when I'm around people who give 3,000 um, measures in terms of their effort. And so that's something that I will never forget, that I work with students who were heroes and sheroes, and it was impressive. All of us, to some degree, have had to make changes to our life and adapt to the situation um, me personally, I think that I'm probably going to keep wearing a mask when I'm in public. Now I'm like, I, it really doesn't bother me. And it seems like it's not, it's, it seems like it's a smart choice. Um, so I think as we get past this, I'm probably going to continue to wear a mask like at the grocery store. Um, so, so that sort of thing, like if, if, you know, do you, do you know yet sort of some of the things that you've, you've changed that you think will stick, um, you know, after we're past, uh, this virus? Yeah, I know. And this may seem like a cop-out, Eric, but I'm with you on that. I think I will continue to wear masks. I will continue to sanitize when I come from outside. I, I recognize that um, we there are certain things that we just can't take for granted. And I think this year has reminded us that we, we should be very vigilant about these types of things. So, um it's not a cop-out in this answer. It truly is an important um, recognition for all of us that um, moving on, life will never be the same. And so certain practices that we've um, adopted, we probably should continue with those practices. And I will, I will continue with that practice as well. Thank you to our guests and thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm.